Hey everybody, welcome to the next edition of the MobileCast. We have a special one here today with the Apple announcement. So just like last week with the Microsoft Nokia one we did, um, we have a panel here and I am very um, grateful and humbled to have Ray Wang from uh, Constellation Research and Chris Hazelton from 451 Research. Um, I'm going to let both of them introduce themselves and then we're just going to have a fun discussion about what we saw or heard today. So Ray, go first. All right, hey, it's Ray Wong, and um, with Constellation Research, I am the Principal Analyst and Chairman, and we focus on disruptive technologies and how they apply back to business. And Chris? Uh, yeah, Chris Hazelton, that's our Research Director for Mobile and Wireless at 451 Research, and we focus on uh, innovative IT impacting uh, uh, the enterprise. So uh, pretty similar coverage area. So this should be a lot of fun. Um, we're actually all together down here at the AirWatch Connect conference, but... Okay, so Tim Cook came out today, and yeah, we kind of saw what we sort of expected, the iPhone 5C, the iPhone 5S, um, but let's start with what I thought was the big surprise. iWork is free, so you get it, you get a new device, you get, um, you get pages, you get numbers, you get Keynote, and you also get iPhoto and iMovie, so in total, that is what they were charging, $40 per app, and who wants to go first? I think when you have uh, upwards of what 200 million, uh, 200 billion in cash, I think you can get afford to give away a little software, and by little I don't mean just mobile, but um, I think it's also designed to push Microsoft back with uh, their um, Office for iPhone offering, which only scales for iPhone apps. So uh, I think it's kind of a uh, a defensive but an aggressive defensive maneuver to make sure that that still is the the you know native and primary and default word processing spreadsheets and I guess if you want to do PowerPoint on your iPhone go with that too. <laughs> no, I think this is all about the stack. And if you think about Google has Google Enterprise, it's got the stack. Microsoft's got the stack. Um, and back to your point, I think native apps are important here, um, especially when you look at the install base on OS. I mean, this is this is the land grab. And if they don't have a defensible position, they better put one there. And so back to your point, you know, a couple billion dollars, not a big yep, deal. Yep. Yeah, and I think you're also, you know, you look at it, and I've talked about it on other podcasts before and in my writing that, you know, Microsoft should have put out for the iPad. You know, Office should be out for the iPad. It shouldn't be tied to Office 365. You know, they have this huge turf to protect. And I can open up an Office document in pages and in numbers. They, yeah, I lose some fidelity. But if I'm a kid and I have an iPad and I go to class, I, you know, this becomes real interesting. I think it also becomes interesting what happens with, you know, do they do the same thing when they come out with Mavericks? then now you get iWorks for free, and you have iWorks in the um, iCloud. Now all of a sudden it's like, okay, if I'm a school system, do I pay for Microsoft, or do, you know, if I already have Apple devices or I'm using, you know, iCloud, do I just let people deal with it that way? I mean, it's, a, it's big as far as the land grip. Well, I, it's, it's offensive uh, to, towards Microsoft to make sure that they're going after that piece, but it's also defensive because of Google uh, and what Google's been doing with, with their apps. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, um, you know, do you want uh, your future customers growing up on uh, iWorks or do you want them, uh, obviously Microsoft would want them growing up on Office 365, but, you know, when you have that stack, as Ray was talking about, you can own uh, the customer. And I think it, it talks, you know, this a lot of what iOS 7 
does is, is taking kind of more and more ownership. Um, obviously, kind of what I focus on is enterprise mobility, and we we'll probably get into that later. But iOS 7 is doing more on terms of ownership, and that kind of speaks volumes to what Apple's doing along that whole entire stack, which is, you know, uh, trying to own, you know, the customer experience both for consumer traditional market for Apple, but also education, which is also traditional, but then uh, enterprise increasingly enterprise. So. Okay, so we don't usually do this, but prediction. How quickly does Microsoft release um, Office for the iPad? Oh, they just did. Did you just see that? It just came across the wire. <laughs> <laughs> I think within, I would say within by the end of the year, um, they really need to do that. And I think what will drive that is uh, the acquisition of Nokia. Um, and actually, no, uh, check that. That would make it more difficult. But I think the idea that you have uh, mobile becoming more uh, of a primary for uh, Microsoft, and uh, you have you saw with the launch of iOS uh, Office for iOS, kind of a loss of control um, of the OS division in terms of the, the other operating divisions of, of Microsoft, and so I, I think that um, putting more focus on mobile, even though it is a Windows Phone strategy, could um, drive uh, further, um, you know. Uh, you know uh, distribution of, of a mobile office uh, for iOS and for Android. Right. Um, I would say so long, um, it, it would happen before they choose the new CEO. I'll hedge my bets. <laughs> you know, I've, always, you know, I've always said that they've had it for a while. I mean, I'm pretty sure that they've had iOS for, um, or I should say office for iOS for many, many moons. And so I don't think it would take them long to release it, but I think it'll be another internal battle. What I think, yeah, the other piece, and we'll get to the new devices in a second, is with iWorks, iWorks works on Firefox and works on IE. Um, do you ever think that Apple might release iWorks for, um, I don't know, PC for Windows Phone or Android? I wouldn't, uh, I would not see. Uh, or just go Windows with the web Phone. client. I say definitely a web client. Um, I mean, if you look at what Chrome, it's it's funny that I, I I struggle with Chrome because you have Chrome OS and you have Chrome browser, and even just having a discussion with someone can be confusing. But I think the idea is that down the road, Google wants Chrome to be you know just um, the platform, regardless of whether it's the entire OS or it's it's Chrome on your your MacBook or Chrome, even on your, your iOS device. Um, so I, I think that, um, you know, it will be, you know, Google, I mean, that, that just really is kind of their strategy is basically to, to be able to play on any device, whether it's, you know, a Chrome OS device or Android or Chrome browser. I think this comes back to business model. For Google, it's it's about reach, and they're still in an ad-based business model, and so they, they don't care. They give it all away for yep. free so they can connect back. Um, Apple doesn't have that model yet, um, but when things like iAds come out, uh, when other pieces that are going to be a lot more connected or they're going to hit the crossover between business and consumer, then, yeah, we might be able to see something like that occur. Okay, so we've talked to iWorks I thought that was an interesting way to open up I mean they talked a little bit about the store and some other stuff but you know 5C you know I saw watched a couple comments on Twitter and everything else and you know for almost the whole thing they said okay so Apple's not very good at leaks anymore and you know they've kind of confirmed all the leaks 
But, you know, the 5C, first of all, I, the other comment I saw on Twitter is they're using real color names. So it's blue, yellow, green, red. Blue, yellow, green, red. I don't remember. There's one other color in there. White, maybe. I'm not sure. But, you know, regular color names. It's polycarbonate. Um, so a lot like uh, Nokia. You know, let, let's not um, look down. You know, it's not cheap plastic. And we've seen cheap plastic phones from many makers where you've held them. And they feel cheap, everything else. Um, my first real experience with that was the uh, Nokia uh, 820 and then the 920. So, you know, I can guess how that it's a nice feeling phone, but some people say it's plastic. But it's an, it's an iPhone 5 for cheaper, essentially, from, you know, what they said. It's iPhone 5 China, iPhone 5 cheap, iPhone 5, you know, I don't know, Cupertino. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a color, right there. I think it was white. Yeah, yeah so, white, yeah. so there was white. Yeah. And yeah. they have cases. So, the, you know, they made a big deal about these cases that have holes in them so you could show the color of your phone. Connect four book. cases. <laughs> well, I think this is Apple's first attempt at actually being able to do product diversification, right? Um, it's still the same case. It's still the same components. Let's just figure out how to assemble it. Uh, less of a cost with some less features. Um, they're starting to realize that they need to win the price point war. Even though they have the margin war, they've got the developer ecosystems. You've got to come back and figure out, right, how do we go address the rest of the world that mm-hmm. doesn't have an iPhone but could aspire to one before the gap between Samsung closes. Yeah, so, and Chris, I'll throw it to you in a second. I mean, the one thing, yeah, and we're doing this pretty quickly after, to the announcement, um, people are still looking at the phones, and we're not actually there. But we don't know what the unsubsidized price is, which makes a difference. Mm-hmm. So, yep. yeah, th- I think um, the one thing that uh, stood out for me was that they claimed that it had more LTE bands than any other device in the world. And we heard that just last week in uh, Berlin with with the Samsung uh, Galaxy Note uh, three. Um, so I think that's really going to be a kind of a a battleground for a lot of these devices and the spectrum challenge around the world for LTE is just a mess. Um, governments having to clear spectrums, uh, different spectrum bands a- across, you know, um, Europe, so you're driving just a couple hours and you're, you're, you're changing, uh, you know, your LTE spectrum is changing so your device may have to change or may not, depending on how many radios are in it. But I can't even imagine how many radios that means if they would so 25, 20 radios in that. I mean, back in the day yeah. with, I mean, just BlackBerry, thinking about yeah. seven radios was yeah. a lot. Now we're yeah. at, what, 20, yeah. 30? Yeah, so it was like, tw- I think the... 20, that, 30 radios. One of the last bolds had like a 12, 12. radios. Yeah. Yeah. That was yeah. a Verizon World Phone. So. And it's interesting. Radio. I mean, if you look at it, essentially what they did is they took the 5S. Mm-hmm. There's still a metal case in there, which is the antenna, but they put polycarbon around it, so you don't have the attenuation that you had from actually touching the antenna. Um, they claim that it's um, somewhat better battery. It's a bigger battery, so you get better battery life than the 5. One would think that the um, polycarbonate probably doesn't crack or break as much. So, you know, I heard some people say, you know, it's the 5 kids, even though it's spelled with a uh, C, not a K. C is for child. There you go. C is for child. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of kids getting phones. This this is a nice way to give a kid, you know, a $99 or 199 to your contract phone. So, and then we have the 5S. Now, the 5S is a lot different, and yet it looks exactly the same. Three colors. So gold. Gold. They call it gold or champagne. I don't, I don't know. But gold, <laughs> um, silver, and... Did we ever decide whether it was black or graphite? It looked like graphite. I so, mean, it didn't seem really black. So. Gray. You know, a gray, a grayish black type thing, you know, which looked interesting. But, you know, just to summarize, 
newer, better camera, fingerprint sensor, and um, battery life is better, more LTE bands. Um, first impressions? We're in incremental improvements here on the iPhone 5. I, I think when I first got my 5, I was just like, yeah, it's, it's lighter, it's easier. But I think it grows on you, right? These are like, these are sophisticated refinements over time, not, you know, features and, you know, I mean, bells and whistles that, you know, kind of get you. Like, you know, they're not gimmicks, right? They're for people who've actually been using the phones for quite some time. These features actually make a lot of sense. So. Yeah, I think that the things that stand out to me are, out to me are the uh, fingerprint sensor. From as a enterprise guy, I I think that I mean it's obviously very unique. It, the question I have is, you have uh, tens of millions of laptops out there that are using uh, fingerprint sensors, and I don't think really too many people use them. Um, yeah, but, but, but it, this this could be Apple reinventing the technology that's already out there on laptops. Given it is laptops, this is a, a smartphone. Um, but so Apple definitely will get, there'll be a lot of energy around that, but could it be the next Siri where people don't use it? It depends on how seamless that experience of, you know, I, I touch the phone and is it, you know, laser um, quick response? What happens six months or a year down the road when I have a new operating system? Does that become a little bit slower? Then you might go back to the pin. Um, pin access. The, ne- the other thing is the the 64 bit chip, A7 uh, chip. Yeah, we'll talk. Um, we're going to talk okay. about that. Now. We're, we're talking about that now. <laughs> okay. No, but what I'm really excited about on the fingerprints is the fact that it enables commerce. Right, we're going to see different ways of commerce tied back to identity, mm-hmm. tied back to how people are accessing. You know, either it's, a, it's a, I could use this to access a you know a back room, or I yeah. could access to you know records, or I can access yeah. this to make a payment, or I can swap payments with folks. So it does open up a lot of possibilities yeah. on the mobile commerce front. Yeah. Yeah. This immediately vaults the iPhone beyond really what anything black anything that BlackBerry provided in terms of unless you had the common access card uh, really this is the the most secure enterprise device out there using uh, a fingerprint sensor once it's open once it's unlocked that's a different story but as a access as an access device it's pretty secure and, and what's interesting is you know we're not going to see the commerce stuff right away um, no and I, I think I, I think Apple actually did that for a lot of reasons. I think that, you know, certainly with the NSA, PRISM, mm-hmm. and everything else, yeah. you know, they were pretty proud to say, we're not going to store the fingerprints. They stay on what they're calling a safe enclave, so, you know, some sort of security chip where you can't get to it. Um, although you can do multiple fingers. So the question is, you know, someone asked me before, can it be, you know, can it be my wife's finger or whatever else, which could be interesting. But, you know, from an enterprise perspective, seeing what you did, I see it re- really useful of, People don't have to remember their eight-digit or nine-digit PIN. You know, you want to, you know, you should remember it. But, hey, if I can use the fingerprint reader every time and you steal my phone and your fingerprint doesn't work, you need to know my PIN. Well, if I don't remember my PIN, how can I tell it to you? Um, But the one place where they did go to commerce, which is another nice thing to do with it, is the fact that um, it works with iTunes. So when you buy an app, what do people hate the most? having to put your password in when you buy an app and you can use your fingerprint to do that, which I think is, you know, that baby step. Mm-hmm. So how long will it take for until developers are able to get access to that? I think we talked about this too. Well they said developers said no. get no access. I don't I think that might might fall eventually. I'm just thinking about like how how good the gorilla glass is uh, to keep me from smudging because I would just lift the fingerprints off these puppies and yeah. uh, do some reverse engineering. Oh, the, the, uh, well, that becomes a question. That, you know, 
I think we'll see that. I think you're going to see, you know, a couple of enterprising people, security people, you know, do their best to defeat it. Yep. You know, from what I understand, it does subdermal scanning and some other stuff, so it should be able to defeat some of that. But, you know, it's not perfect, and yet they're providing the service. Yeah. I lose my phone. It's not like you're going to figure it, you know, you steal my mm-hmm. phone. Unless you've paid somebody and there's, like, an easy way to do it, you're not going to be able to unlock yeah. it. And with the iOS 7 features, you know, uh, being able to keep somebody from registering it, that's pretty neat. It'd be a little gory. You really have to put that finger on the, on the reader quite quickly after you cut it off that person's hand to make sure that it works. I had a feeling you'd go there, Chris. Just just <laughs> guessing. So, you know, the other two big things. So let's hit the A7 first. So they announced the A7, um, and the big thing on that is it's 64-bit, and it's a heck of a lot faster. Now, there's another chip they announced. We'll get to that one in a second, but... Thoughts on A7 and 64-bit? First phone, 64-bit. I, I think it's 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 interesting because it basically, historically, smartphones and the, the vendors that make them never tell you what chip is really in that device. I mean, Apple is saying that. They branded it their own A7, but they don't tell you, you know, what the gigahertz speed is. They just say it's 64-bit <coughs> and it's twice as fast as anything, as the, the previous phone, um, if I have that correct. Uh so I, I think it's 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 very interesting. It definitely pushes the device forward, but a lot of it, a little bit behind it, is this kind of marketing speak to kind of hide so that, uh, the components so that it's more difficult to compare apples to apples between between devices. Figuratively, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So um, the thing I'm thinking about with the A7 is is back back to something we were talking about around lunch. It's like, well, how does Samsung respond to that, and how quickly can Apple take advantage of that with the developer ecosystem to say, look, you're on 64-bit versus whatever's on Android. That's going to be interesting. And what, and what they talked about was, you know, they did the Infinity Blade Trinity demo on stage, and um, that developer said it took them all two hours to convert to 64-bit. Um, I asked a couple other developers um, on Twitter, and I got answers back that, well, if it's anything like the Mac, it's actually pretty easy. It's built into, you know, they're putting Xcode tools out there and all. So you think between that, they announced that iOS 7 is completely 64-bit capable, and all of their apps are rewritten to 64-bit. You'd think that, you know, that 2x speed or whatever you're seeing may actually be that's raw speed. The OS may be even faster, and you know, so it becomes real interesting from that speed. Maybe some of the power savings is coming from that as well, driving the battery life. So I'm, yeah. I'm sure that we'll figure out a way to waste that soon. But you know, ten hours of talk time, ten hours of LTE time is pretty impressive. And then well, ten hours of LTE was the one that was impressive to yeah. me. I was like, that is nice. Yeah. Um, being that my phone doesn't that's last next to the that tower, though. <laughs> That's next to the tower? <laughs> that, oh, all right, that, all right, all right. That's like, not in this hotel. Let's be clear yes. here. Where we have no Verizon signal. <laughs> yes, the thank desert. you, Hyatt Regency Atlanta. Please fix your Wi-Fi. <laughs> well, we're not even talking Wi-Fi. We're talking Verizon first. But um, then they announced another chip, which was Apple did something kind of interesting here, and you know nobody was expecting this. They put in a motion coprocessor, and pretty much what the motion coprocessor does is at all times, continuously, it's checking the accelerometer, um, the compass, and the gyroscope. So, you know, I know one person um, has compared it to what's in the um, Moto X. But, you know, the other piece there is, well, now you have a device that can actually be used for fitness. It's doing it all the time. Um, you know, somebody said, uh, you know, Fitbit, and they had a quote, oh, crap. And do you necessarily need a Fitbit? Do you need these bands if you have it? Um, they showed it with a new Nike app. 
Um, I asked whether Nike had actually bought an app called Moves, which is a similar app on um, that you can use on the iPhone 5, but kind of gives them some new health things that you couldn't do before. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're at the beginning of all these self-quantification, um, all the devices that are happening, um, what people are doing around gamification and social. Um, you know, actually at our conference, we actually have Jay McGonigal um, from Super Better Labs talking about where this future is going with this. And, and I think... This is going to unleash a whole new set of developer ecosystems on the um, M Health market. Um, there's some things that, uh, of course, I'm not briefed by Apple on these, um, but I can say um, there's a big division going on in terms of building all their iHealth, all their healthcare apps that are going on that require these sensors. It's not just the accelerometers; it's going to be a whole bunch of different sensing devices uh, that actually occur with that's actually leveraging this chip in a very different way. Um, design for one of the things that we're talking about are human APIs in the future, ability to connect between man and machine and man and device kind of towards the singularity kind of concept. Yeah, I think uh, you'd mentioned the Moto X there. You have you know a specific chip that's designed for a specific set of, of applications and, and software, and I think that is, is very cool. Um, this is kind of the, the anti-Moto X because... This is driving people to exercise, whereas the Moto X is driving people to be lazy. Well, you also look at it, they could do some of the things, you know, this is a contextual computing chip. So, you know, we've all kind of had some interesting conversations on contextual computing, but, you know, you can do the things that um, the Moto X does now because it's built in. You could, you know, it, it's not hooked to the speaker, but I don't see why you couldn't have Siri always listening. I don't see why when you pick it up it can't turn the screen on now things like that, um, if it's within a certain amount of time. Um, you know, there's a bunch of stuff that it really gear enables right. now. The gear watch, maybe it'll automatically turn on. Wait, never mind, it's wrong. <laughs> that would be Samsung. But, uh, <laughs> uh. but okay, so that that's the motion co-processor. Let's talk about the camera. The camera, you know, camera was the other big thing. So um, raw, if I remember correctly, um, 120 frames per second, so you can automate, you know, you shoot first, do slow-mo later. Um, best thing I saw was there are going to be a lot more slow-motion clips, uh, slow-motion failure clips uploaded to YouTube, um, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, bigger pixels, not as big as the ones on the HTC One, but it's still an 8-megapixel camera, and the HTC One is a 4-megapixel camera, if I remember correctly, but um, bigger pixels than what they had. Um, bigger lens, 2.2, 5-element lens, and the dual flash. So the flash is actually two colors and it examines the room and you can um, actually adjust up to a thousand variations. So your take? Yeah, a shout out to my colleague uh, Carl Howe at, at Yankee Group. He tweeted um, that he predicts YouTube uploads of, of fail moments will now increase, but uh, they'll also look a lot better. <laughs> and what else? What else draws you about the camera? I mean, do you... I, I, th I you know I, I do like the uh, the ability for the the iPhone to decide what photo is best for you. I think uh, there are a lot of people out there that don't take good photos. So that's the other piece. I left that out. It takes when you snap a picture, it actually takes somewhere between five and seven pictures or whatever. Actually, no, I think it's fourteen. It takes a certain number of pictures and then it picks the best one. It, it does auto white balance, does all this other stuff, and I don't know whether you can manually go in and do it, but. With iPhoto for free on the phone, it becomes interesting. Um, plus, it also do 10 frames per second and does uh, uh, motion uh, compensation, so auto motion. But Ray, I think the uh, 120 FPS actually changes the future of video. 
right? Um, when we're thinking about what happens um, today, the video piece is, is the underutilized piece because that's the one where the compression's been an issue, frames per second hasn't been there, the processor speeds haven't been fast enough. So I think this is going to unleash a new wave of how people use video, um, both for live, um, both for um, streamed, and, and both for time, you know, time lapsed. So I, I fully agree. I mean, and you know, it doesn't replace. Let's be fair here. The uh, Nokia 1020 has a gorgeous camera, um, enables you to zoom after you take the picture, and there's something to be said about that. Um, but I think that really, if you're looking at cameras right now, those are the two, you know, those are really the two big cameras that you have and that you can actually do something with. Um, but then again, this has some things that that doesn't have, so it'll kind of be interesting. What happened to the Lytro? No, I'm just kidding. This is replacing the Lytro, I guess. <laughs> yeah, there, there, you mentioned Nokia. There was a, a Nokia UK tweeted that uh, imitation is the best form of flattery uh, when they... Uh, and is they that, show, is and that they, the 620 that they're showing this there? Is, yeah, I don't, I don't know which one it is. But it, it basically is the, 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 the color-backed... Uh, I don't know if it's polycarbonate as well. It's polycarbonate. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's almost the same colors, except there's no, there's no white here, but I'm sure there's a white. Um, so it, it's... Yeah, there, there are people kind of ganging up on Apple and saying that they're not uh, so, innovating, but you know. So here's so, so here's you can do. here's a question. You know, and I, I've posited this before to a couple other people, but you know, to both of you, you know, I've had a lot of people comment recently. Innovation's dead in the phone. It's all in the software. More from the perspective of the Moto X did some stuff, but in reality, everything's a slab. The screen might be bigger, but you know, screen bigger, screen smaller isn't really innovation at the moment. We've seen it now. Apple hasn't done it, but that's fine. You know, but is it innovative for Apple to have a bigger screen? Well, it may be for them, but is that real innovation? So do you see some of this stuff as innovative compared to the rest or no? I, I mean, I think the, uh, the fingerprint reader, that's, that's it's new. 64-bit is new, but it's, I think, where the market is, is heading. Um, you know, we, we talked about the specific custom components that align with a specific segment of the the app, you know, of, uh, of uh, kind of um, exercise apps, for lack of a better word. So that, that that's still software-driven. So I think it is, it is absolutely software that's driving innovation within the smartphone space. Uh, but I think there still is a little bit um, of room left. And, and you, you know, we have things around uh, battery. Um, you know, batteries have been a major uh, uh, stumbling block for smartphones uh, lasting. We've, all, we've gone backwards in terms of battery life. So I, I think um, there are a couple major challenges in, on the hardware side that we need to come over um, overcome, and then we'll start to see more innovation on the hardware side. But for the next year or two, a lot of it's going to be software-driven. I'm just excited. If you're an HFR shooting guy, this is perfect, right? I mean, this is 120. You've been waiting for this. It's not like you're going to carry anything else with you, but, you know, more and more, it's back to the point where, you know, the iPhone's destroying all these different business models. It's happening at the software level. Yeah, this is a slab. Fine. But you know what? I'm doing a lot with the slab that I couldn't do before. And, you know, frankly, you know, if I'm Apple, I'm really just building out the Star Trek product footprint. You know. So do you stay with Apple? I mean, you, you have two Apple devices with you. Do you stay with Apple? Or are you going to look at uh, Samsung or Motorola or Nokia? I've actually played with all those devices. and, and we all, well, Let's be fair. Everybody here, every, at this table, we all have. 
Um, <laughs> we've all played with these devices, and for me, it's the consistency of user experience that has me back on Apple. Right. I mean, for me, before it was, it was you know, I, I tried all the different flavors of Droid. Um, I love the Nokia build quality. I like the gimmicks on the Samsung. But when I really need to get work done, I'm still back on an iPhone. Yeah, I think there are a couple things. I mean, I, I like uh, Android in that you can really customize everything where you want things. And, and um, with Apple, though... A lot of their services they they work. You, to to be a, an, a successful Android user, you need to be almost your own system integrator. But as an iPhone, everything kind of works out of the box or is downloaded. I'm sorry, I'm not promising everything's going to work out of the box, but it just does work a little bit easier. I'm considering giving uh, an Android phone uh, to my dad, um, but I think I might actually uh, push him toward an iPhone because I don't. I want fewer support calls. Yes, exactly. That's actually one of the things. Like when we took our father off the PCs and gave him a Mac, and just stopped. All the support calls ended. It was like the best thing in life. <laughs> my, 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 I said it before. My, my mother is rocking her iPhone uh, 4S, and you know, other than she, every now and then she asked my daughter because I, I'm, I won't let her ask me. I say I have two daughters. They both know how to do it. You handle it. But, you know, I, here's another great example. You have a Moto X. I actually like the Moto X quite a bit. But you have the Moto X, and um, it's a nice phone. But And how long have you had the Moto X? Uh, about a month. Okay, you've had it for a month. And we're sitting there playing with it yesterday, and there was stuff you couldn't find. And this is the only phone you're carrying. There's stuff you couldn't find and a couple things you, I had to help you with to figure out how to do. Yeah, <laughs> No, nothing big. But, you know, seriously... That's one of those things, and you know, it's not necessarily. It's not that it's bad. I like the Moto X. Um, I have one on the way. I'm probably going to rock that for. What color is it? Did you customize it? Um, I'm waiting for the code to customize okay. it. So, but you know, I expect it to be customized. Yeah. But it becomes interesting. You know, what do you do with that? And it, it, I, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, like, the, the big thing here really is all these improvements that are happening are really designed around um, this fact that there's a stack. There are only four companies in the world that can go from cloud to your device. And when we're talking about this, right, it's Apple, it's Amazon, it's Microsoft, and it's Google, right? So the battle around here is these four stacks that are going on. It's, you know, you're either the content player, you're either the network, right, or you're the arms dealer. Right, and, and at this point, you know, you got to figure out where you are, but you're not going to be the network because these four vendors have it locked down. So I've got, I've got complete control of that network. So it's about distribution, making it easier for developers, making it easier for consumers to pick it up. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to use the dreaded ecosystem word because what you call network, I call ecosystem. These it's, are ecosystems. You know, right? it, it's, if you're in the Apple ecosystem, there's no reason to change. Look at, you know, seeing what I saw, I know the big thing here is it's available in China on the first day. Um, we don't know which carrier, but it's available in China the first day. It's available, um, you know, for those of you listening, you'll be able to get the OS on um, September 18th. You can pre-order the devices this coming Friday, which is Friday the 13th. Interesting omen. And you can go wait online, which I'm sure some people will, although none of us will, um, next Friday and get your device, whichever one that you want. But, you know, it's a, you know, it's something they do well. It, you know, it's interesting. After the Samsung uh, conference uh, last week, um, one of the things that a lot of people complained to me about was, I can't get in the U.S. till October. 
I can't, you know, we're at least a month away. Whereas, okay, I can order in the UK today, or I can, and you know, that was a that was frustration. You see this, you know, Motorola did the same thing. You see some of that stuff happen. Yeah, it was. I mean, I was at, I was in Times Square for the Galaxy Note, and, and I was like, playing with these things. I was like, so why can't I get one of these? Like, oh no, you gotta wait. And I'm like, yeah, great. So, Chris, I'm just worried about the people that are already lined up at the. Um, Man, I guess the uh, Fifth Avenue Apple Store, they're going to have to wait an entire a week and a half. So how valuable is that seat going to be? In are, you, are, you, are you really worried just because you paid someone to stand in line for I you? I did. I did. And I, paid and, him, I didn't pay him much. And you, you're afraid he might you know, switch allegiances or something? Yeah, I might have to up that, actually, since it's a longer wait. Okay, so uh, <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to see on that Let's one. Let's revisit that one. Um, the other, you know, the other big thing that I, you know, last thing, and then you know, we'll wrap up. But you know, one of the nice things about the A7 chip is we actually expect that Apple will have another news conference sometime in the next month or so and announce new iPads. And so we may get a Retina iPad Mini. Um, we'll probably see an iPad 5. We know that that's going to be thinner because they've gone with the thinner bezels. Um, Blue, red, yellow, green, white. <laughs> I don't know that we'll get colors on there, but I think the iPad C. I think the A7. We may not see the mo- we may not see the motion coprocessor, but I think the A7. You know, you can actually really drive it on there because mm-hmm. you know you look at you know some of the universal apps and some of the business apps and everything else. You know, um, was it you or we were sitting with um, Andrew Borg from Aberdeen Research, and you know he goes, I wonder if I can run big data on this. You know, because it's 64-bit. You know, it, it's an interesting thing, but. Last takes, you know. Let, let's go around because I promise not to keep you Rob guys. Tiffany, okay, okay. So it's Rob Tiffany. Rob Tiffany. Okay, Andrew read it because Andrew was reading my tweet stream while we were watching the uh, watching the live blog. But um, last take, what do you guys think? I, I mean, uh, I'm wondering what will the iPad be called? The iPad. <laughs> the iPad. Um, the I, new I, iPad. I am. Hold, I'm holding. I'm. I'm. I will probably not likely buy the 5s, but I definitely will be buying the iPad Mini Retina display. Um, I think I've probably hurt myself many times dropping my iPad on on my head as I'm reading it in bed. So um, that might be too much information. Reading. I said reading. Well, you are married, so. I am. Oh. But uh, I, I think, and uh, that so that will be a 64-bit processor on an iPad. With a keyboard, so what does that make it? Is it you know, is it a tablet? I don't know. At 120 frames per second, that would be nowhere near my bed. <laughs> um, I don't know that you're going to have the same camera in there, but that's good to know. Um, I'm not sure where to go with that, right? <laughs> no. Um, actually, yeah. No. For, for me, actually, I, I think on the on the iPad piece, there's a lot more interesting devices that are actually going to pop up with that. And I think the accessories that are going to be around the iPad Mini, given the size, given the form feature, I mean, that is basically the Star Trek tablet. Right, I mean, I mean that is basically what it is, and that, that the size, the weight, right? That means there's a whole bunch of other like interesting accessories, like you know, that might show up. So these wearables are actually going to tie back more likely to the iPad Mini uh, than anything else uh, because of the. It was really basically because of the display constraints. Right. So, and we didn't even talk about iOS seven and all that, other than the fact that it's sixty four bit optimized. But you know, I think it's good that you brought that up because I think one of the things we may see, certainly with the iPhone is a new set of accessories that because they don't need the motion control. You know, they don't need the accelerometer or whatever because it's built into the phone and you have the motion coprocessor. You know, we may see a whole new set of peripherals that we hadn't thought of 
that you know kind of make life a little bit interesting. Yeah, health apps, sport apps, gaming apps. Like you know, you could actually have you know back when the Wii was hot, you could have same similar kind of Wii like controls going around, uh, multiplayer games that way, right? Where you're all standing around, moving around, but you don't have anything. You just have a, a wearable on you, but it's actually being monitored, connected back to Apple TV. So I, so let's take that because you and I talked about this last night when you came in. What's this all mean for the Apple TV? And I, I mean, no, I think you had the better answer. You should answer that one. Okay, so, well, I'm the host, so you have to ask me that question. But all right, what did you think from last night? Where, where is the Apple TV going, and what about the chip? I think the the A7 chip, if that gets put inside an Apple TV, I think the game's over. For you know, you look at it, and I see you know from what we saw at WWDC, and now that stuff's public. Um, I think the iPhone becomes a game controller. And I think that you'll start seeing like this Infinity Blade. Imagine putting that on the Apple TV, add a little more RAM to it, keep the price at 99, add a little more RAM to it, put the A7 in there. You now have a full console experience. And what if you can play with your iPhone or a controller? Because they show controllers that plug directly into or that use Bluetooth with the Apple TV. But they also showed a controller that um, Logitech was building that could go around... Um, the iPhone itself, so you could have your own PSP. And, but, you know, just think that if you could have multiplayer and some of the things that were built into the Chromecast and everything else, pretty damn cool. Wow. I mean, just think about that. Just sports games right there, right? Com- playing, you know, head-to-head across the world. That's awesome. I know, Chris, you have to leave. So, um, Ray, I know you're trying to catch a plane out of here. Any last words before we uh, hang up here? I would just say that if, in the event that you ever hold a conference and you're a mobile vendor, make sure your mobility works. Absolutely. I second that. That's a good ending. Right? Okay, everybody. Thanks very much. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Um, and that's it, that's it for um, this special edition of the MobileCast. We'll try and get this out um, later tonight. Um, thank you, Ray. Thank you, Chris. And, guys, if you have any comments, um, contact us on Twitter, reach out to the webpage. Enjoy listening to this episode, and actually we'll have another one later this week. 